Good morning, everyone. We welcome you to our Sunday morning roundtable dis discussion. We're so glad you all could join us today, and we're very happy. We have visitors. We have Luann from New York and Thomas from New York City and Mara from Mississippi, Nancy. <laughs> we have a big group here today. So anyway, and Peter, of course, Peter's not at the roundtable, but he's going to be singing with us. Peter from California, originally from Plainfield. So we welcome you all. We're so glad you could join us for our subject on sacrament. We are recording from the Plainfield Christian Science Church, Plainfield, New Jersey, in the United States of America. We welcome you all. And we'll start with our morning prayer. I'm reading from page 35 of Science and Health and 224 of Divinity Course and General Collectania, otherwise known as the Blue Book. Our baptism is a purification from all error. Our church is built on the divine principle love. We can unite with this church only as we are newborn of spirit, as we reach the life which is truth and the truth which is life, by bringing forth the fruits of love, casting out error and healing the sick. Our Eucharist is spiritual communion with the one God. Our bread, which cometh down from heaven, is truth. Our cup is the cross. Our wine, the inspiration of love, the drought our master drank and commended to all his followers. Oh, may the light that is never dim so encompass you that no night is there. May his angels hold thee in their power and songs of science be heard in the intuitions of thought so your life is in tune with the rhythm of God. Mary Baker Eden. Beautiful. Thank you. I love that. Your life is in tune with the rhythm of God. Thank you. Okay, our watching point. Watch number 141. Watch lest you base your sense of Christian science and worship of God upon the form from which the spirit has fled. Traditional theology is a sense of worship based on Jesus without the Christ or instead of the Christ. There is little difference between this error and an acceptance of Christian science based on Mrs. Eddy as person rather than as the pastor emeritus or the impersonal spiritual idea which she embodied. Once a statue of a woman kneeling in prayer was ordered with Mrs. Eddy's permission for the extension of the mother church, it was put in place over the organ and remained there for three days. Then the directors received a letter from Mrs. Eddy instructing them to remove it. One of our hymns tells us that as we rise, the symbols disappear. The three days the statue was in place are symbolic of the ascension of Mrs. Eddy's thought, in which she realized that her personality must be replaced by the consciousness of her spiritual presence. She knew that Jesus had declared but as the spiritual idea, he was present with us always. 
but that his spiritual presence or comforter would not come unless the conception of him as a human person was taken away. Mrs. Betty realized that if the statue remained, students might descend to the attitude of worshiping it as representing her personality, which would be a deterrent to the attainment of understanding of her true mission and of the concept which she desired students to hold for all time as being most conducive to spiritual growth. A lazy mind takes the easier way. It prefers worshiping a statue to demonstrating the right concept and memory of the leader. We crucify the Christ afresh whenever we descend to the worship of the form without the spirit or instead of the spirit. Once Mrs. Eddy defines scholastic theology as the worship of personality, she said, quote, Christian science theology is reality of good and unreality of evil. Theologies are opinions of man, man about what Jesus did, also about the teachings of the scriptures and the prophets. In science, we understand all the teachings of Christ, which include all good and exclude all evil, and we can prove it. Thank you. Okay, comments on that. Well, um, Mrs. Eddy definitely wanted to clear up a lot of old theologies because back at the time when people were becoming Christian scientists, they were leaving churches that had all these symbols to uh, worship, um, especially on sacraments. And so she was clarifying with this subject that, like she says in... Um, Science and Health on page four. Whatever materializes worship hinders man's spiritual growth and keeps him from demonstrating his power over error. And I like what it says, the lazy mind takes the easier way. And it is easier to hold on to a thing rather than lift thought above it and see what its, its true spiritual representation is. Thank you. I have something to say. Okay, Zary. You know, I was listening to that, and it was making me do some deep searching because I am a painter, and I also understand why she came to that understanding because when we worship the human idea, the form, we forget the spiritual influence. And as um, someone just said, you know, a you know, a lazy thought. We have to really uh, uproot this apathy and this lazy thought in us. And that is something that I am touching upon right now. Thank you. Anybody else? Yeah, we certainly don't want to crucify the Christ afresh by doing this. So that's yeah. quite a... <laughs> you don't feel the danger of that. I don't know. It made me think of um, when Jesus criticized the Pharisees. He says, you have the form of religion, but not the power thereof. Um, so even he was like saying, take your eyes off of me, take your eyes off of form, and go into the access, the power of what we have. Thank you. Chris. You know, this whole idea of worshiping people is a, such an easy tendency of the human mind. And even though there are people around us that are good examples, 
we've got to remember what the source of that good is and not worship the people. Even Jesus himself said, if I don't go away, the comforter won't come. So people needed to go to the Father and not worship even, even the best example of a person. We can thank God that he did send people who are good examples, but we've got to take it one step further and we're, recognize where the source of all this is and go there ourselves. Thank you. Yeah, it's a big trap. Go ahead, Florence. No, I think it also points to even in science how so many know the letter but forget the spirit of it. I knew a lady who could practically recite almost the whole of recapitulation, but she was in dire straits. So that it, to me, it was also pointing to that. Thank you very much. Yeah, yeah I was going to say it, it happens amongst Christian scientists. Uh, where you, it's a, it is a lazy way, as, as was said, and Zari emphasized too. It's just so much easier just to do that, to be a hearer rather than a doer, or to just focus on the symbols and think because you're doing all this symbolic worship, you are doing something. Well, maybe you're doing a little something, but it's not really the big something. Very small stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Also, I remember when I was, oh, excuse me. No, go ahead. I remember when I was much younger, and um, somebody, I, don't, I can't remember whether it was a friend of mine or somebody, um, came into our uh, church, and it was, uh, they were wondering where all the, the the crosses and Jesus hanging on the cross and all this stuff. How come you don't have this in your, and I, and I was so um, young. I, I really didn't know how to uh, answer that like I do now. But obviously in the Christian science church, we're not to have, you know, she, that, that, that's why if somebody comes in from another church they it's so um you know our church doesn't have symbols things to look at to it's the it's the thought that's the spiritualizing of our thought that is what christian science is all about and so i just remember that comment made by somebody and i i know how to answer it now but i really didn't at the time (laughs) yeah no that's often a question and it, it is, our, our churches are all free of any kind of those symbols. Thank God for that. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I, yeah. Yeah. I've been in a lot of churches that had a lot of weird <laughs> iconography, and I'm grateful that church does not have that. Yeah, and, and it's, a, it's usually a very light church. Some of these other churches are so dark. Our church has the sun streaming in it. It's... Um, I think I told you once a few years ago, we had a tour of churches in Plainfield. It was very interesting to go around and see the different churches. And one thing that did strike me was how dark most of them were. The one that wasn't and the one that I felt was most like perhaps Christian science was our little friends meeting house, the Quaker church. And it's simplicity, it's lightness. And I mean, you'd just go in there and you'd pray for an hour. So I like that idea. That's that's really what we do in our church. So anybody else? And Mrs. Eddie's, well, and Mrs. Eddie's, um, she okayed the statue 
originally she she okayed this, this and yet her thought just after three days her thought you know we can't have that so you know she made decisions and then and then saw the re- no I've got to, that's not right and just yeah. so that Thanks. also showed her humility to yeah. you know to, to change her mind you know nope I've got a better understanding of it take it out <laughs> thank you yeah she was a way shower in all ways. I, I I believe it's partly, if not wholly, why we don't. Um, you know, people say why we don't film our services or show everybody. You, you don't need to see us. It's enough to hear our voices, and it can be very distracting. I don't even like it if people call me on Zoom or something. I just just rather hear their voice because otherwise, you're. I, I just like the voices enough. <laughs> you don't need to mm-hmm. look. Um, it's okay, and certainly when you come and visit. <laughs> but um, and Mara, that is Carol, and that is Jeremy. <laughs> Hi, Jeremy. <laughs> Be Jeremy. Okay. So, so yes, we we love it when people come and visit, but as of yet, we're not doing it on video or. I'm grateful for that. It's, <laughs> it's strange enough to know that people in Australia know my voice. <laughs> <laughs> so true. Yeah, some of us would have to get dressed up. If you <laughs> <laughs> we won't say who. No, we won't say who. Okay, our subject on sacrament. I did look up that word from the 1828 dictionary, and it says an outward invisible sign of an inward and spiritual grace. Now, that's very beautiful. I like that. And then also a solemn and religious ceremony enjoined by Christ. And that word means enjoined means to ordered, order or commanded by Christ. Well, and then it goes into things like baptism and the Eucharist. But again, um, he did some of those things. Certainly the baptism was a separate so to be now, right? Um, so, yeah, yeah. separate to be yeah. so. Oh. Yeah, separate to be now. And then the Eucharist, I mean, that was, that was, uh, you know, just to teach them to be part of what he was doing. But I don't think he meant it to continue along in, in these ceremonies. Uh, it's better in, in our living of our life, which is what this whole lesson is about. <clears throat> so. And Miss Eddie said that the, the breaking of bread, the breaking was explaining. So. Thank you. Yes. Some of you who send things in, now Nancy talked about the bread from heaven. You don't have to read all of it, but kind of. Yeah. All right. Well, I just wanted to see what Mrs. Eddy, how she explained it. So I loved she gave a a talk at an annual meeting and she says, um, when Jesus directed his disciples to prepare for the material Passover, which spiritually speaking is the Passover from sense to soul. He bade them to say to the good man of the house to prepare an upper chamber for them. So she says, in obedience to this command, may these communicants come with the upper chambers of thought prepared for the reception of truth. With hope, faith, and love ready to partake of the bread that cometh down from heaven and to drink of his blood to receive into their affections and lives the inspiration which giveth victory over sin, disease, and death. I love that. Thank you. You're welcome. 
And um, yeah, and what Florence read too in her prayer this morning was how we we think of these things. And it is it is a sign of an inward grace, but it's a sign we should be living every moment of every day, not just on certain days or certain times. Okay, and Linda, what about what you wrote? <clears throat> well, I, I was writing about James 1, 22, where it says, Be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own self. And so I uh, found a quote from Spurgeon because he just says it really well. He doesn't mince words. <laughs> and that and was a good reminder. I mean, our whole lesson was about making prayer practical and desiring holiness, not just uh, the hypocrisy of looking like you're living it when it's not. But So to me, he's addressing this thought. And uh, I liked also he was commanding respect for you know the work that the person comes to speak to you you should have the least the respect to try to live what they're telling you and because that's a lot of work to come and prepare and speak to people so anyways he says quote and he's referring to this uh one specific line i just read quote many contrast one preacher with another when they had better contrast themselves with the divine law thus hearing the gospel is, is degraded into a pastime and judged to be a little better than a <laughs> theatrical entertainment. Such things must not be. Preachers must preach as for eternity and look for fruit, and hearers must carry out what they hear, or otherwise the sacred ordinance of preaching will cease to be the channel of blessings and will rather be an insult to God and a mockery to the souls of men. The preacher does not deceive you. He never said half a word to support the notion that coming to this place would be of any service to you unless you would yield your hearts to Christ. Do not let the gospel come in one ear and out the other. How are you to prevent it? Why let it come in both ears? Let it have two roads right down to the soul. And shut your ears when the truth has thoroughly entered in and compel it to abide in the chamber of your soul. How much of a blessing would come to men if they carried the word home with them? End quote. Thank you. But I love that idea of having, using two, two <laughs> words to close it up and then direct it down yeah. to the soul. Rather than one ear and out <laughs> the other. other. Yeah. yeah. So there's a spot here, Craig, if you want. We and, saved your chair, Craig. And Craig, this is Mara from Mississippi. Hello, Mara. <laughs> Thank you so much. All right, and then Shardell. Oh, well, I was very interested in the cuts. Uh, and so I went and looked at our uh, search machine on the website and came across something from 2021 and where Mrs. Eddie wrote, uh, and it's not in the lesson this week, but I think it's very important that uh, the agony, the sweat that fell on the holy benediction or the grass of Gethsemane, and then that uh, as disciples, uh, we drink from the same cup and think or even wish to escape the exalting ordeal of sin's revenge on the destroyer. Christ had to, he lived this, and I think it's important that, and then here in our lesson, oh, also another person said 
uh, explained, exalt is to elevate. And then the ordeal was a severe trial, which he had. And then uh, in, in this week's lesson, I, I won't read all of it because it's from this lesson. If all who ever partook of the sacrament have really commemorated the sufferings of Jesus and drunk from his cup, they would have revolutionized the world. And I, I, this is so important to me. And I think that I, I never thought that much about it till coming here. Here at Plainfield Independent, we are aware of his cup. And of course, we rise up. But uh, the practitioners live it. The truth is preached to receptive hearts every, every service we have. And then the watches, we are always casting out the evils. <laughs> so... Thank you very much. That's beautiful. And that is so true. We must get that into ourselves that, you know, we can revolutionize the world. We can bring in the millennium and we do it how individually with ourselves and then in praying for all, everyone, everywhere, because all are included in this universally included. So how important this work is done. And this is the true meaning of, of sacrament. Could I say add something to this? Sure. I was just thinking about, you know, what Florence uh, read about form, not the power of religion. Many times when we get into the form or we say, I have the right book or the oldest version of the, you know, science and health, 1910 or, or 1875, that form is not, it's a spirit. Without the spirit, art does not happen. And that's perhaps what Mary Baker Eddy felt. They were so taken by the form, they didn't want to see the spirit. The spirit is only what is going to transform all of us because it includes each and every one of us. I cannot pray for God to bless me and to forget you. Yes, very much so. Very much so. That's a good calendar statement. Yeah, well said. Yeah, well said. <laughs> Absolutely. You cannot do that. You can't just be praying for yourself and then and then really damning others. And that's isn't that what um, Mrs. Eddy says, too, about the Pharisees and the, and the Sadducees. Yeah, they, they cast burdens, burdens on people. And that Matthew 23, boy, does Jesus rip that all apart. And in The Chosen, some of us are watching it. It shows it so clearly. Oh, my goodness. Every good deed Jesus did, that there they were to say, oh, it's on the wrong day or it's the wrong moment or whatever. They had some stupid law, um, stupid law. And when these stupid laws get in the way of the spirit, something is very, very wrong. And that is true in, our, in the organization. Uh, all this nitpicking about stuff, swallowing. Camels. Um, yes, yeah. and straining at gnats. And wondering by whose authority you teach. By, by whose that. authority, yes. Yeah. So who? how do we know that this is Mrs. Eddy? We do know. We research everything we put out, and we've told people this, but if they won't accept it, then, then they're, they're lost. that's it. Everything is researched. Richard Oakes gave us these things. He researched it. Is it the exact word? There was not a stenographer or typist a lot of times when Mrs. Eddy spoke. So, no, it's maybe not the exact words, but it is the spirit of it. And then when people question us over this itty stuff, 
Sorry, I have no patience anymore. They've been doing it to us for too many years. I'm done. Jeremy? Well, yeah, if they're incapable of reading with inspiration, that that chain of evidence that leads back to whoever the source is doesn't really mean anything anyway. That's true. And, and Jesus... It's, it's surprising. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, I mean, it's surprising to me that of all, over 20... I mean, 2,000 or something videos and stuff, somebody can pick on one thing and that upset them. Absolutely true. You know, sometimes I think to myself, just a simple thank you would be nice. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Waiting to pounce like a lion. And and what that shows, and it shows, it shows in this instance, it shows in people's daily lives. That is the negative human mind. To me, it's just like a flag over their head. I am in the human mind. <laughs> I am. I'm really, I'm really in the human mind because all I can see is the negative, what I think is wrong. Let's pick, 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 pick. And they miss the whole beautiful picture of what truly is going on. And remember that. And remember that when it comes to you, if you're always picking at things or picking at your husband or your children or whatever it is, finding everything that's wrong, you're, you're most likely not in the right mind. The right mind sees good. It will also see what needs to be corrected, but with a great sense of love and not in a... Yeah, it's still in a way that builds up. It builds up, yes. Yes. Bruce? Well, in that mind, you're going to find exactly what you're looking for. You but will. The problem is it's not in the object you're looking at. Yes. It's within your own heart. Thank you. Thank you. To clear it up. Very important. And that's true when you start picking on your body. When you think this is wrong, this is wrong. This oh, it's got to be wrong. It's wrong. It's wrong. It's wrong. <laughs> and pretty soon you the rest of it. <laughs> yeah, what about the rest of it? That's what I tell people. Think of all the things that are right that are going on in your body. Ninety nine point nine percent is is going right. Or, you know, I remember this was when I was a, a young adult. I guess I thought I had this lump on my body. Well, guess what? I still have that lump, but I've been living a long, happy life and <laughs> never never did it. And then when people tell me they've got this, that, or the next thing, so what? As my mother would say, bodies are lumpy. Things are, you know, things are. (laughs) And they are. Bodies are lumpy. You can't be picking on yourself looking for stuff or you're looking for trouble. Human mind. Human mind. And this is what he says. It comes to you for life and you give it all the life it has. Absolutely. Don't give it life. That's right. Yes. Well, and all of this is... I think I'm sure the reason why Jesus had his strongest rebukes for the Pharisees and the Sadducees, because they were nitpicking at the form and they missed the spirit. I mean, some of them got it. Nicodemus got it. A few others got it. But there were a whole bunch of them who did not get it. And I, I was just thinking, you know, our golden text is from Hosea. But Jesus knew this golden text, and he used it against the Pharisees and the Sadducees, didn't he? He reminded them. He said, think about what this means. I desired mercy and not sacrifice, and the knowledge of God more than burnt offerings. He had to remind the Pharisees that this was what was all about. This is the, this is the outward uh, gesture, if you will, of the inward love for God that Jesus asked for. 
and that we should be. And, and this is the point of our sacrament lesson. Yes, thank you. Yep. So I love that spot where you were talking about, you know, make, you know, getting the word into you. And that, that phrase, getting the word into you, kind of reminds me of the, uh, it's in the, uh, James, James 21 about <clears throat> the engrafted word. That's one of those interesting words you look up. That's, uh, that's what farmers use. You know, they take a piece of, of good stock and then they engraft it onto a tree. And there's a lot of good imagery with that. And that's like the Christ. That truth is engrafted in us. And that's, that, um, that's how we bring forth the right fruit is through that engrafted word that has been put or engrafted into us. I just thought that was beautiful. That was a comment made earlier, but um, I, I just I love that phrase. Thank you very much, mm -hmm. because that's just where I was headed for, um, that engrafted word and what that means. Because this is the whole way that you become doers of the word. You don't come, become doers by doing all this ritual or by trying to, to do. <laughs> you become doers by doing it. And yes, the word engraft means to incorporate in a firm or permanent way. To unite or join two different but compatible plants so that they grow as one. Um, Carrie sent some beautiful articles about this, the engrafted word. But one of them brings out, you know, you can have two people. Let me see, I can find it. Anyway, it was just the idea that we all have things to overcome, things to learn, ways to change, uh, and and that word is needed. The word of God, the word of Christ is needed. It has to be engrafted in you, joined together as one. And one of my most favorite parts of the Bible in John, I am the true vine and my father is the husbandman. That's the cultivator, the master of the family. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth, that it may bring forth more fruit. This is the ordeals we go to, go through that Chardy was talking about. You get purged. It might be a very uncomfortable experience you're going through because you've you have some, we all have a lot of beliefs in matter, the power that matter seems to hold. We have to be purged of those and we suffer until we let it go. And then we become, now are ye clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Then you're clean. Then you're ready to, to be engrafted. So then abide in me and I in you. Abide to exist or continue to dwell, rest, stand firm, to be stationary, to endure. Doesn't mean like you're running all around. You're abiding, stationary. Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye, except ye abide in me. So people don't even think about it. <laughs> it's not happening. You cannot bring forth fruit. 
unless you were engrafted in his word. I, I was watching a YouTube video a tutorial about programming the other day, and he said, if you're, if you're practicing wrongly, that will not make perfect. He's like, but if you're practicing right, it'll make permanent. And I like that. Mm, so. That's beautiful. Thank you. <laughs> it makes permanent. Yes, it makes and us that ties back into the watch, too. That ties into the watch. You're not, you're not thinking that Christian science, uh, how was it expressed in the watch? That, you know, we're not idolizing Mrs. Eddy. There's a, the husbandman, and then there's the engrafted word. That's what brings forth the fruit. It wasn't the personality. Thank you. Thank you very much. Yes. And that's why in that, I guess it's in Galatians about the fruit of the spirit. It's the fruit of the spirit. It's not the fruit of us because <laughs> that can get confused sometimes. This is the fruit of the spirit. What comes through you. This is why it's called the word. It's not a material human thing. It is spiritual. And this is why the book of John starts in the beginning was the word. Mm -hmm. And the word was with God, and the word was God. The word is God. There's no difference between God and his word. And this is the science behind what the Bible is saying. So you must imbibe that word. And this word is available to everyone, right? Is anyone excluded? No, and, and, and that's what we're engrafted to. We're engrafted to God, our maker. In other words, there's no separation between us and God. And the way we know God is the word that he gives us. And the Bible's full of it. And that's why we study the Bible. That's right. And our textbook explains it to us. This is why we live in such an exciting time, folks. That's right. Absolutely. That's why it's important to read with inspiration, too, because if it's not in you, it's not in you. It's not there. <laughs> right. No, and, and then all of this literal um, interpretation of the Bible leads to all kinds of trouble. Um, and Mrs. Eddy said that. And it, she always talks about the inspired word of the Bible. It must be inspired. So then if you... One about, of our tenants. <laughs> yeah, we'll read One of our tenants. Yep, yep. If ye abide in me and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. Wow. Wowzers, he says in English. He goes, Wowzers. That's a real wowzers. You know, Mrs. Eddie would say that. She would say with tears in her eyes, you know, anything I ask, God gives me. And that's. Of course, you have to ask in his name, in his will, and you have to be living it. But it is true. The more you live it, the more you are it, the less you need the arguments. It, you, it just is. You are one with the Father, and whether you need good weather or good health or whatever else is the need of the moment or supply, it will come. It will be. And And in that book... A Christian healer, I think. Um, in many instances, when she's asked, Mrs. Eddie is asked, how did she heal? She says, I don't know. Why doesn't she know? Because God did it. 
God, yes. That's true. I don't know. Oh, it's God, and it's it's that faith and trust in Him, that engrafted Word in you, that makes you one with Him. That's why that oneness is. Mrs. Eddy has a subject on it twice a year, and why we a chapter about it. Atonement, atonement, so important. I and my Father are one. The Father that dwelleth in me, He doeth the works, and the Father hath not left me alone. We were taught that years ago to say it, to use it, to think about it. It's your oneness, that engrafted word in you. That does the work. And then the argument isn't even needed. Sometimes at this point, the argument is needed. You have to think about things a little bit. But but if you keep working on it, I just love that. This whole, this whole John 15, if ye abide in me and my words abide in you, Ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. It already is done. We just have to see it, right? And then herein is my Father glorified, that ye bear much fruit. So shall ye be my disciples. Of course God wants you to bear all this fruit. Of course he does. And and that's a righteous prayer. But you have to get self out of the way, and you don't do it to glorify yourself. Then you're cooked. Bad idea. <laughs> the minute there's any ounce of pride there, woof, it's gone. Those are the theatrical entertainment. <laughs> yes, theatrical entertainment. Right. Well, and that's why that's why the burning out of pride is essential. It's painful. It doesn't feel good, but that's good. <laughs> yeah, that's very good. Right. As someone once said, you know, if something hurts your pride, well, get rid of your pride. <laughs> yeah, that word, you know, humiliation. No one likes humiliation, but hey, sometimes that's that's what takes to burn out the pride to be humiliated. <laughs> and then maybe you see, oh my gosh, what have I done? Then you then the trick is not to stay there, but to rise up and know it's not you and be done, be gone, get rid of it, and be the man of God's creating. But yeah, that pride has to be burned out. Absolutely. It is good to know on your own you you don't have this. <laughs> you're not you're not gonna be able to do it on your own. Right. That's a good thing to know. Yeah. Yes, it is. It's preparing the tree for engrafting. It is, because it must be made clean, as John, in John it says. Um, in this article, The Tree of Life, by Richard Verrill, mortals point with pride to their family trees, endless gene- genealogies designed to show a long and illustrious line of earthly progenitors, believing that they have inherited some good from the traditional past. According to Christian science, however, the real family tree is the tree of life. And by following Christ's truth, all men can trace their spiritual ancestry to one heavenly father in whom we have our being. That is so important. That's why you mustn't get into this pride of your family background or shame because they go hand in hand because you're. You're going along that line. I mean, whether it's your nationality, your race, your whatever you think you might be pride of, eh, nope. 
not good. Because <laughs> uh, you're making a god of something that has nothing to do with God. Yeah, it's always tracing it back to your heavenly father. Those who do, do the will of God are my mother, my brother, and my sister. Exactly, mm -hmm. yes. Mm -hmm. That's the one thing that kind of saved me when I come here because I really struggled with, which I always had a hard time calling my dad my father. And once I understood well, the difference, you know, what father meant. And uh, I, I always struggled that, so I would always make note of that. Like if I wrote anything down, that it was my dad, just my dad. He wasn't my father. And then, like, for years, and then when I came here, it was like, oh, such a relief to know that my father was God, and I and I was, like, really clung on to that. Thank you. I, I couldn't refer to my parent as my father. Because he so wasn't. Important. No. And I struggled with that because I thought I was wrong, you know, but when I came here and found out the answer to it, it was, it was such a blessing for me to just know that I could just call God, my father. And boy, yeah, the daughter <laughs> of the king. And boy, the the growth after that, after you saw that, you know, you just started to grow, and you've heard Luann's testimonies. So, came out of a living hell. She's a great example. I was thinking, if Luann can do it, anybody can do it, <laughs> and she did it. Could I add one little thing again? Sure, mm -hmm. absolutely. Um. I was uh, thinking, uh, I'm just so grateful to be in this meeting right now. And I I was just thinking, Luan's story is the greatest inspiration to know that God is love and God blesses and handles any sense of uh, fatherhood or motherhood or background. And it brings me to something that you hear sometimes in Christian science churches, other Christian science churches, where they say we're praying for the community or for our church. We are all the community. We are all inclusive. This is what France has to realize or the France in us, that we are all God's children. No one's left outside of that love. And I keep coming to this with myself about a certain issue. I was uh, thinking, and this is why I'm so grateful to listen to all of you. I was thinking, oh, well, God is good to this person because they're good to me. But that's not it. God is love, like the sun. It shines, and God shines on each and every one of us with love. And so God is our father and mother, whether we've had the best relationship with the father and mother or not such a good one. God is our father and mother. Thank you so much, because... Yes. And you see, that's why there's no one excluded. And and rather to get all involved in all of these so-called racial issues, you're wasting your time when you can be devoting it to your relationship with God and your oneness with him. And you will soar and sing and rise above any obstacle. It's been proven so many times. Doesn't matter what your background was or your situation. I mean, here again, Luann's a wonderful example of that. I was just sitting here thinking that a lot of times my mother would say, sit in that chair and wait till your father gets home. And if I had this understanding back then, it would have been a much more pleasant wait. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. He's right here. I'm here. And how nice it sounds. Yes. 
How nice that you found him. Yes. We found you, the sheep, one in 99 or whatever. For sure. Yes. And then in this article, William McKenzie, I love him, Good Shepherd or Evil Masters. Goodness, is that time already? Jesus set forth simple and quiet truth, the remedy for the world's sorrow and self-will when he said, Be not ye called rabbi, for one is your master, even Christ, and ye are all brethren. Neither be ye called masters, for one is your master, even Christ. And whosoever shall exalt himself shall be abased, and he that shall humble himself shall be exalted. That's the end of the quote. Many masters must continually fighting for greater mastery, whereas men are mastered by mind, capital M. That is, obedient to that same mind which Christ Jesus obeyed and manifested, will first of all find heavenly harmony within, and then in act and influence will be establishing the kingdom of heaven. Kipling reminds us of that in his, his poem, The Recessional. The tumult and the shouting dies, the captains and the kings depart. Still stands thine ancient sacrifice, an humble and a contrite heart. The choice before the inhabitants of the earth today is a simple one. Will you continue in the service of evil masters, or will you choose to follow the good shepherd? And you see, that was Luann's choice. Because that's what her father was in belief. But she learned to follow the good master and rose out of all of that. And not only did, but has no resentment or animosity. I learned what forgiveness was. And it was more to benefit me than that other person. I really struggled with with that in the beginning, the like forgiveness and everything. Because I thought that it meant that they were let off the hook and that what they were doing didn't have any repercussions you know and that that really bothered me it's like why why should I be the one suffering when you're just you're not suffering and I struggled with that for a long time but when I realized what forgiveness was it it made all the difference it wasn't it was for me and it it was amazing thank you (laughs) it was amazing that's hugely important the forgiveness and yes everyone is so mad at that whoever it is, and why aren't they being whatever, suffering, and I'm suffering. Well, you don't know what they are, and God God adjusts the scale always. He is a just God. He never does anything to anybody but love them, but the arrow will backlash, that's for sure. So so all of this, we all of that we've been discussing is how to be a doer of the word, because You personally cannot be a doer of the word. It's only when you become engrafted with that word and that God is working through you and you're abiding, abiding in that Christ. Then all kinds of wonderful things happen. And and certainly not just for you, but for all mankind everywhere. That's how it works. It's wonderful. So the other interesting thing that I thought in the responsive reading, which one of the article picks up, was, but whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. Now, last week we talked about a lot about the idea of liberty and freedom. And 
freedom and liberty go hand in hand with faith in Christianity. They can they cannot be separated. You cannot separate the two, and that's the battle we're in today. They they if you lose your Christianity, you will definitely lose your liberty because where the spirit of the Lord is, what there is freedom, there is liberty, there is liberty, and the opposite is true. Where the spirit of the Lord is not, there's hell, liberty, there's hell, there is tyranny. Yeah. Tyranny, yes. And it is true, if you look around the world, those nations that have more Christianity are usually the more what? Freer and free. Freer, productive, all of that. And that's just, that's not my opinion. This is fact, okay? (laughs) This is fact. Nobody can argue this. So where there's not the Christianity, where there are other beliefs, systems, in control and rule, there's usually dictatorship and, and slavery and other things that should not be. So, and the price of liberty is what? Vigilance. Yes. Eternal vigilance. Yes. <laughs> so, here we are. And this is this all goes along with being a doer of the word. Because if you were a doer of the word, you were going to have liberty and you're going to give liberty to others. You're not going to be trying to dictate or enslave others. You are going to be giving liberty to others. And our, our country has been through a lot of this, and it still is going through it. But the goal, the ideal, is freedom for everyone. Declaration of Independence, whether it's lived up to at that time or not, it is the ideal, the goal, and we must hold it. We don't throw that out. It must be, or we will lose everything while people are squabbling over this, that, and the next thing, and they're missing the main point of it all. Liberty and God, liberty and faith, liberty and Christianity. So there's so much more to go on. I have piles of paper that dear Carrie sent me. And one thing I did want to mention that she sent to us and Thomas was very happy about it because we've been looking for it. It's this little book called Mary Baker Eddy, A Concise Story of Her Life and Work by Myra B. Lord. It's just this little book. Maybe Bruce will record it next. Um, she was told she had to write a concise biography. And it's beautiful. I've started to read it. And she just captures the beauty and the holiness of Mrs. Eddy's life. And so now we have it. And... You can, it's, they say it's a good book to give out, you know, to someone who doesn't know Mary Baker Eddy, give them this little book because it's not overwhelming to read. And they'll get a right sense of who and what she is. And as we know, she's being crucified <laughs> on the internet. And yeah. So this is. Is this uh, one to add to our list of biographies? Yes. Yeah, we have, but. Yes. And Jeremy, who's not here anymore, he got a paper, he got paperback copies. So it must be oh. easily available on Amazon. Mm-hmm. But here, Carrie got me this leather one that we'll keep in church. So anyway, I'm grateful for all of this. And let me see. So I think today, since I could go on and on, but I couldn't. I shouldn't. I won't. (laughs) I mustn't. You could keep going. Yeah, I could keep going. And now I'm not finding what I wanted to end on. So, so Gary, you talk about some things. Oh, yeah, maybe this. <laughs> Tell us, talk about some things, Gary. Talk about some okay, things. Okay, now we found it. 
exactly found what I was going to end on. There was another I was going to end on, too. The other that I was going to end on that I can't find is on the carousel, I think. And it's what Benjamin Franklin said. Remember what Benjamin Franklin said when they were having trouble um, doing the... um, Requested all yes. before they yes that right. that everybody stop everything go home and pray for a couple of days we can't do a thing unless we pray and when that happened they came back and progress began prayer before during and after all right so Gary you can end on here here yeah it's all of it not the whole article but. Okay, this is from the article entitled Doers of the Word by Ella W. Hogue in a 1924 issue of the journal. This is an excerpt. What James was writing to the early Christians, warning them against the sins to which men seem liable, he urged them to be swift to hear and slow to speak. He did not stop there, however, but went on to say, Quote, be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves, end quote. Concluding his exhortation in this direction, that if one be not a forgetful hearer, but a, but a doer of the word, this man shall be blessed in his deed. The distinction between doers and mere hearers has always been definitely drawn. The one standing for that right activity, which is always rich in fruitage while the other represents the inaction and inertness, which, like the barren desert, is of little value to itself or others. The hearers are always many. Even Jesus, however, lamented that the doers were so few, and he told his disciples to pray that God would send forth laborers into his plenteous harvest. Today, as in past time, there is the same temptation to hear and not to do, to listen with perhaps earnest intent and then fail to make use of what has been heard. Today, as of yore, there is the same danger of pouring the letter of truth and then failing to demonstrate it. Christian science indicates beyond question that however much of truth may have been heard or read, unless it be put into practice, it is indeed but the dead letter. In Retrospection and Introspection, page 86, our beloved leader states the matter very tersely when she says, there is but one way of doing good, and that is to do it. There is but one way of being good, and that is to be good. And the best of it is that in her teachings of Christian science, she has shown so plainly how to accomplish this that all are, all are without excuse who fall short of fulfilling every requirement which this science makes of those professing its name. In Mrs. Eddy's writings, there are rules upon rules which, if put into practice, will certainly render the student not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work. In her message to the Mother Church for 1902, page 17, Mrs. Eddy says, Happiness consists in being and in doing good. And she adds, conscious worth satisfies the hungry heart, and nothing else can. How true it is that only by being and doing good can man ever be satisfied. 
as we awaken to this glorious possibility of being doers of the word, we are also shaken out of the foolishness of sitting down and waiting for salvation. We find that salvation must be won, not simply expected, without any effort on our part. We can never be saved from evil without actively using good. How great is the satisfaction which comes as we realize that every right thought and act, every true effort to be doers of the work, does tend not only towards our salvation, but so lifts up the light of truth that others will also long to become doers. The one real doer is a potent rebuke to all lethargy and stupidity, to inaction and laziness, to all that is unlike God. Then, as Christian scientists, let us obey our leader's admonition in miscellaneous writings, page 177, and doffing our lavender kid zeal, become real and consecrated warriors. Let us be alert, doers of the word. Thank you all for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.